Maxwell Boxing. Come on in. Ireland's Boxing Weekly Podcast on all things amateur, professional, domestic and international. If you'd like to find a link for all the previous episodes on any platform or if you'd just like to keep an eye on our social media, you'll find all of that and more in today's show notes. Yes, indeed you are. Welcome on in. Privilege and pleasure of being in your ears for this episode. I did promise you this extra episode and as it is a day or so later, but... We've got it done, we've got it ready, we've got it in the can. Ready for you to listen to either just before or just after tonight's European Cup final. Whenever suits you. And if you haven't had a chance yet to catch episode number 174, where we spoke with top American MMA coach, and of course coach to Dustin Poirier, who came away with the win last night after a horrific injury to Conor McGregor in the octagon at UFC 264, Phil Derue. You know, you have the ability to create torque with limb lengths and, and different ophthalmology. He was former performance director with American Top Team. He's coached the likes of Joanna Uacek, the likes of Kobe Covington, the likes of so many of the other top stars, Amanda Nunes and more. He is, of course, coached to our very own Maureen Shea and he is he coached, as I said, Dustin Poirier last night. Have a listen to him. Have a listen to some of the stuff that he talks about. He talks so many different areas about boxing, strength and conditioning, about the importance of transitioning into the pro game and out of the pro game and and everything else in between. It's a fascinating insight from somebody who is at the very pinnacle of fitness, of strength and conditioning and of the scientific side of boxing and combat sports. Lots and lots of... uh uh, Italian supporters have sprung up over the last couple of days here on this island but I can tell you this I can't bring myself all the way back to 1990 for those that may remember Scalacci and I think from what, if I'm rightly saying it was one of his if not his last goal scored competitively was against us it broke our hearts it left me on the floor and it shattered the dreams that built up over a couple of weeks of Italia 90 where we dared to dream and we got all so close so I can't bring myself I won't bring myself to shouting for Italy although my good friend Morris Rossi on the back street in Newbridge will be absolutely at fever pitch tonight they'll probably need to tie him down to keep the blood pressure right and everything else Morris Rossi Mary Jenna all the gang there shout out to you guys thinking of ye but I genuinely think and I'm kind of siding if I'm being honest with with England for this one but one fella who has no qualms in nailing his colours to the mast, who's dug out his old Italian Thunder jersey, and you might recognise the voice. Bellissimo. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. For the Italian! Indeed, if his brother pulled off the Mexican character, Michelangelo Conlon has no problems getting into character for the Italian match tonight. So lots of uh, fun and crack and good banter around the place. Hopefully everybody gets to enjoy it in good spirits. If I'm to make a prediction, I think if England start off the way they finished extra time on Wednesday, I think if they move the ball quickly through the middle get at the Italians early, don't let them hold it up, don't let Verratti get that second, third and fourth touch in the centre of the park, I think Italy are in trouble. I think England will move the ball, they'll spread the ball and they'll hit them hard and fast. But it's always easier said than done and England never do things, they've never done anything easy. 
not a massive amount of news about the place in boxing terms other than of course Tyson Fury Deontay Wilder is off it's to be rearranged there's a pal of mine here not too far away Graham McCormick is his name and we had a conversation on Thursday night Thursday evening and I mentioned to him I just had a feeling something wasn't adding up the promotion wasn't what it would expect to be at this point two and a half three weeks out I said don't be surprised if the match if that fight is off I just spidey senses were tingling a little bit and lo and behold he messaged me or he rang me I think later on to say hey, where the hell did you get that out of and, and it was it was a shot in the dark it was a stab in the dark but it's um yeah look COVID is COVID and there'll be lots of haters and there'll be lots of naysayers and whatever the case may be the fight is off it will be rearranged and one other piece of news before I go to our guest on this episode. Last night, of course, UFC 264, the highlight of, which got really, really ugly and nasty at times, was Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, the rubber match. The third fight in a sequence that had been little bits of everything. The first one was nasty and it was, it wasn't pleasant. The second one was over pleasant and over friendly. And last night really bordered on the obscene at times. Some of the stuff that had been said in the lead up I'm all for selling a fight I'm all for steak I'm all for smack talk but I'm sorry there, there, there's when it's tasteless when it's cheap and it's tacky and when it seemed very much to me at times like somebody trying similar to Rhonda when she was just about done and she was trying to summon the Rhonda of before and it was just seeming a little bit forced. Of course, I'm talking about Conor McGregor and the build up to the fight and everything he was saying and trying and it, then, of course, the fight played out the way it played out. It was absolutely horrific. Horrific. It's a long, long time. There's been some of those injuries in, in MMA over the years, but to break where it broke, in the way that it broke, and, and to be... It's it's um, yeah, it's um very hard to know and to see how he comes back from this, where he comes back. Again, if anyone can do it, McGregor will do it. But um to see him sat on the mat and screaming the obscenity, somebody needed to take that microphone away. But controversy sells, as we've seen with the dolly in the bus, and we've seen with Khabib jumping out of the ring and everything else. We've seen it all in the past. And nobody sells more than Conor McGregor. But I just have a feeling, I've had it all week, I've had a feeling for a while that I think his days in the UFC at the top level are all but done. I think the fact that uh, Becky Lynch was narrating his promos for the fight this week, I believe, may just point towards where the future for Conor McGregor lies. I believe he's tailor-made and suited down to the ground for WWE and time will tell. Even the way he sat at the table during the week, the press conference, uh, in between delivering insults and everything else, almost like summoning the spirit and the old memories of The Rock as he threw his head back to the stars, to the skies, to look and seek for a, sky, a line, pulled it out of the sky and then delivered it with aplomb. So time will tell. But look, the injury... The way it was happened and everything else was absolutely horrific. Really and truly horrific. If you've not seen it, if you're squeamish, maybe you don't want to watch it. It's horrible. Really is horrible. And uh, I hope he can at least get his health back, get in, get back walking properly and everything else. And after that, then see where it goes. But for now, that has to be the focus. Bringing us nicely up to the feature of episode number 175. Willow Hayden as an amateur, won 11 Irish national titles. He won a European gold medal. He had over 400 amateur fights and was unbeaten in 45 championship fights here as he just before he signed professional papers and moved across to the professional ranks 
with Queensbury Promotions and Frank Warren. Chatted to Willow a couple of weeks ago. First of all, just before he signed the papers, before the news became public, I didn't know at the time. He told me that he had an announcement coming in a couple of weeks. Would I hold off and do the interview then? And I did. So here it is. Willow Hayden from Crumlin, BC, just signed Queensbury Promotions and Frank Warren. It has, 100%. You, you've got the bit between your teeth. Um, I think it's still it's still setting in, kind of. But, uh, yeah, I think I'm getting more used to, the, like, used to the idea now of being a pro. Like, even me training now, I've changed it up a little bit just to see, you know, going six rounds and stuff. And you wake up in the morning with the idea and you heard, I'm a full-time athlete. I'm a professional athlete. <laughs> this is what I do now. It's, it's, it's a different feeling, I'd say. Yeah, it is. Like, it's a job now. It's not just... A hobby anymore, like yeah, yeah. But uh, I suppose to go back a little bit before all this stage of it and what led to this stage, uh, because it's no coincidence. Anyone that knows you knows what you're about and knows knows your form and knows your your um your pedigree. But there's a lot of people might not be as uh, as I just say boxing geeks. There's some of us too could take it a little bit farther. But where did it all start with yourself? You you are of course product. You boxed out of Crumlin Boxing Club, which which means one thing only: the main man himself. You've worked with Phil all your career, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, I was originally I was doing that. I was in SPG. I was doing MMA. Um, I was doing that when I was six, and then I joined boxing then at eight to like kind of help help my striking ability. Like, but uh, I ended up then I just like fell in love with boxing. I was getting more uh, more spars and stuff, more action than what I was getting in the MMA. And then obviously I had a few years then before I could, I could compete, but uh, I got. 11 national titles in my time as an amateur. I got a European gold medal. I got a good one. Like. That's not a bad haul, is it? If we look at it again, you see a lot of transitions, lads transitioning from, you, you might see it the other way, they'll go from boxing to MMA. You came the other direction. Tell me a little bit about that transition, Willow, and I suppose you had the benefit of being young on your side, so you were able to, you were yeah. able to adapt, but how big a change is it? Oh, it is completely different. Like, if you're sparring someone who's not a boxer, you'll say it. Like, they could still be good, but it's a different, they have a different style of boxing, if you get me. Sparring's not completely different. They're, the way they handle the guard is completely different to how a boxer would. Would you say, did it take much for you to transition, or was it something that you, it kind of came naturally to you? Or is that an awful lot of hard well, work and many hours? At that age, like, you know, it's completely different when you're transitioning so young. Like, I think if it was this age, it'd be a different story altogether. Because, like, you know, you have habits from being in MMA or whatever. But at that stage, like, there, there wasn't really much of a transition. I love fighting and stuff. And I think that was the main thing. Like, that, that works in both sports. Brings the discipline with it as well. So it um, means you're able to look after yourself. You're not so keen to, to, to prove it. So 11 Irish titles. What age are you now, Willow? I'm 19. The decisions come where, what level is this going to? What's my ambition? Does it change? Right? There's a fork in the road. Do I go Olympics? Do I go pro? What, what were the ambitions for you starting off and, and, and what was the game plan as you went along did you did you change the, the, the plan was originally to go for the Olympics and now like I always had dreams of winning a few senior titles and all that and boxing for the first time as a senior but I just now I got that opportunity at this age and it just it felt like the right the right choice to make and I think style wise too of the little bit that I've watched you definitely have a pro style is that fair to say it would definitely be, yeah. It would take nearly a round to kind of come into myself, and then my third round would normally be my strongest. And is there a southpaw stance there too? Are you able to switch? Yeah, that's feels very big on um, being able to box from both stance. 
Now, I'd, I'd be orthodox 90% of the time, but I can, like, switch over. Yeah, it opens up new angles. Talk to me about the importance of boxing, Willow, in Crumlin. Um, well, I'm actually, I'm not living in Crumlin now the last few years. Like, boxing seems to be really big in any kind of working class areas. Like, and it's always, it keeps the kids disciplined, keeps them out of trouble. I got yeah. a question in here. A fella called Michael Mitchell. Uh, he wants to know, who is the toughest amateur opponent you've ever had? Uh, that's a hard one. You could make or break someone's day here. <laughs> um, doesn't help. One terrible for forgetting names. I'd say my hardest fight now would have been, um, I think it was four years ago. I broke my hand two days before an Irish final and I was fighting Paddy Collins name was and he was away with me the year before that at the Europeans he got a bronze medal but um, I, I kept it a secret I didn't tell any of the coaches that I broke my hands because I was just so afraid of them pulling it because like, it was an Irish final it was me left hand I broke as well Jeez. and I'd rather nearly have my left hand the good and my right hand broke because uh, you know you need your lead hand to set up your backhand so having a backhand on its own is kind of useless but uh, it was tough I had to throw my jab even though it was sore, like just so the ref wouldn't stop or, or like they wouldn't suspect anything. But uh, that would definitely would have been the toughest challenge. And how did you get on? The one, yeah. how, how do you prepare? Do you just, how do you and then the pain of it and everything else? Do you just literally have to go to a different place? Is it something you're used to doing over time, or what was what's it like? There's no way you can really prepare for it. Like you just have to dig deep and just go for it. Like. You can't even not throw the hand either. Like, yeah, you still have to use it. It's sore, but it just has to be done. Now, obviously, it was a three round. There. It was, I think, it was boxing two minutes at the time. So I had to go through six minutes of it. It's not too bad. Like, it's not the same as Tommy McCarthy now. Like, down down his way, but uh, it definitely reassures me that I can still perform with, with an injury. Like, you know, you, people get injured in pro fights all the time, and they have to continue. So. It's a bit of for me. People need to remember when they're sitting at home and they're tweeting from their mammy's spare couch or their spare room that these people go through an awful lot just to get to the ring at times. Exactly. Like we've seen an awful lot, of that, a lot, an awful lot of that with um, the Sanders fight. I think like a lot of people were uh, slating them for not finishing the fight, but they don't realise how ser- serious that injury is. He might never box again over that. What was it attractive to you, I suppose, to the fighting in the first place? You, you were in SPG, so was it something that, full of energy, they need to do something to keep you occupied? Was it keeping you off? I would um, or Yeah, it was 100%. I was just drawn to it. Um, like, and even in school and stuff, I was never a bully or nothing like that, but if any kid annoyed me or said something smart or whatever, I'd always just take to, like, you know, punching mm. and fighting like you know what I mean when I went into SPG then like it was good because I was able to grapple and roll with people or whatever so it helped a bit but then when I went into boxing and I was able to spar with other kids my own age and hit people like it was just couldn't get enough of it so you were rolling lads up in the corridor <laughs> you were tying them up in knots and <laughs> after, yeah. after school so it's safe to say a question I like to ask did you find did you find combat or the combat find you it, it kind of found you and thankfully for boxing fans and for Irish boxing you progressed on into boxing then all across the board everything is pointing towards the Olympics when you made that decision to say listen I'm going pro how did that go down like it's a question I've been thinking about for years anyway, like, like when's the right age to turn pro and stuff, or you know, should I wait around for this Olympics? Like, I definitely, um, even if I was never to do the Olympics, I always, I was set on like, you now getting a senior title, like going away, representing Ireland as a senior. So I think that's something that's always going to be at me. But, uh, 
what can you do like yeah and did it take yeah. you long um, the, there's a part there's a big part of your story I'm not touching on yet because I want it to be about Willow Hayden as much as it is <laughs> we all know who it is and what it is talking of course about Conor McGregor who's a, who's a global pay-per-view king he is no matter what YouTubers want to sell what to, who they're only trotting in his way you were a big part of his preparations but we'll come to that in a few minutes the decision to turn pro you say you've been thinking about it for quite a while from the time you decided, right, I'm doing this, till the time it happened, was it a process? You, you know Andy O'Neill, there. Cuts, shout out to the, yeah, to the man. Uh, he's obviously, he's close friends with Phil and he boxed out with Crumlin, so he's actually on to me years about now talking, torn up pro and stuff, but I was always kind of brushing it off because it was young, like, I still had things I wanted to do as an amateur. You know, the more we talked, like, over the years, the more he was talking to me about it. Like, that way I was going, like, with pro. I, I, like, I knew that, pro, like, pro boxing would suit me more. Like, I, I could box more on myself. Like, anyone who's ever seen me spar down on the boxing club, like, down six rounds sparring, I'd box completely different to how I'd box in the stadium. Because when you're boxing people in the stadium, it's hard to, like, let your power off and stuff and show that off. When the lads are, like, running away from you, because they know you're a banger, if you know what I mean, like... This is another thing that gets lost at times. Pro and amateur boxing are two different games. You know, it, it is. Uh, as Jamie Jamie Conlon told me, it's like pool and snooker. Thanks to Cuts, big shout out to him because I mean, only, he he spotted a few lads over the years and he's encouraged them and he's helped them and he's constantly doing something. He's constantly on the go. He he's never he's nonstop. It's great to have someone like that to guide you and to be able to give you the advice and put you. And then of course, yeah, we come to be part of Connor's camp then as well. Where, where did that come from? Uh, well, he's a club mate of yours anyway, first and foremost, isn't he? Yeah, well, the first time the first time I seen him was before his fight with uh, Surroundy. He came down to the club. I was only 17 at the time, but I was able to get a spar with him. I think I just got two, two three rounds in or something like that. But uh, like that, that was fantastic. Like, it was a great experience. And I, I wasn't able to go away on that trip now because I was too young. But uh, still went away and done his corner for that fight. But then for this for the rematch then against Poirier, Connor came down again for sparring, and Phil had a couple of the lads out of the club training as a southpaw for like a few weeks before that because he thought like Connor would come down looking for sparring partners. But um, I think he sparred he sparred three three of us out of the club. We done three rounds of them each, and he picked two of us then to go away to Portugal to be part of the camp. From an experience point of view, at that stage you were still only looking to turn pro, weren't you? Well, it was in the pipeline, I have to say. So, yeah. I mean, that gives you an insight into the very top level. I know it's a different sport, but you're looking at the absolute elite and, and nothing's left a chance. So from an experience point of view for you, it's more than, it, it's everything, isn't it? It was, it was fantastic. Like, seeing the way he trains and he trains my day. Like there was a session that we were down, but it was like on what at what point? I was down on first, and I was giving it my one hundred percent. When I seen Connor get on, and I seen the effort he was putting into it, I seen that like his one hundred his one hundred percent was like he left like nothing behind. He threw everything into it, and then I was feeling like yeah, I couldn't do more. Like I heard an interview recently with um, Marvin Herbert talking about he used to think that he because he was a, he was a decent boxer and he, and and a. Uh, quality boxer and was able to move around as to say with lads but 
his whole idea and his whole um, opinions on boxing and, and world class level and internet was changed when he saw Macklin training for a title and it, it was just people don't realise that these guys are leaving the only thing they're leaving behind is puddles of themselves it's it's a different level if you haven't seen it and, and it's what makes it even more special so for you to be around that I think Dylan Moran was on that camp as well wasn't he? Yeah he was yeah and and you had a little bit of a distra- well, I won't say a distraction, but you had a little bit of an annoyance. Yeah, a certain I don't even know what you'd call him a YouTuber couldn't help laughing. He did everything he could to get Connor's attention, Connor's reaction. He wasn't getting it. He got fairly much all he wanted of it from Dylan, didn't he? He did. Yeah, it was a good opportunity for Dylan to get his name out there as well. Yeah, I thought as uh, Dylan's comeback was something else though. Oh, classic. I know Dylan fairly well. I got on great with him and I messaged him and I saw it first. I said, Dylan, if I can do anything, if you need anything, I'm sure I forgot. I didn't forget, but you kind of, just in reaching out, you were trying to help. But at the same time, he had the best man beside him to help him, you know, and to put it in place for him. All things are in place then, Willow. The call comes. Tell me a little bit. I saw some of the photographs of your ringside for Conlon's fight. No, Frank likes to do that. He's getting the lads to sign, if at all possible. He'll bring them to a show and he'll show them. So for you, you were getting hands-on experience. You were getting, you were ringside. You were seeing Conlon fight. Did that seal it for you or did you, you didn't need any convincing at that stage? Well, he was actually signed. That was my second time going over to me, Frank. And I was actually signed already at that stage. Ah, class. That was just me going over for, um, like, doing interviews and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I was shocked. I was sitting, I was sitting behind beside Frank for the whole show, like talking about all sorts. It wasn't just about boxing. Real nice fella, real down to earth. Like the Don himself. Yeah, <laughs> he's some man, some man. But yeah. so you've got the very it best. Lot, it was a lot to take in. I'd say that. I'd say that you kind of have to sit there thinking, reminding yourself you're sitting beside one of the greatest. Uh, yeah, no, exactly. When they first walked into the venue, and all, I, I seen Bunsy. And I'm watching him years, like, unboxing it when he's on Box Nation as a presenter. But uh, I seen him and I went up and I shook his hand and all, and he was talking to me. And then I was placed then beside Frank, and then Frank was talking to me the whole night. Like, it was just so much to take in. felt like a dream. Yeah, Frank has had a soft spot for the Irish fighters over the years. He's had Steve Ormond, he's had the lads in Celtic Warriors, he's had a good few of them over the years. He's brought them over, albeit on on his own terms. But he he's uh, you're in safe hands. And Buncey, my favorite boxing podcast every week is Buncey and Costello. I listen to them on a Monday, and I love the way Buncey just puts it out there. He loves the fighters. He's always for the fighters, but he calls it as it is too. Did he give you a few words of wisdom? He did. <laughs> I was on my interview with him, and he was he made it. He made the interview like because obviously. When you're getting interviewed by people like that over there, it's like it's ner like it it's nerve wracking. Like I would have rather nearly get in the ring and fight that <laughs> night and do all the interviews I was doing. But uh, he made he made it he made it easy. Like he made it feel very like now like speak to a friend there really. Yeah. So it's like I didn't even cop the camera was there. Yeah, Frank would, Frank would know how to do it too. He's, he's obviously got high hopes for you. He's got big plans for you. And that, I suppose, before we wrap it up, I suppose, Willow, your plan, your hopes and plans, is there a very clear plan in place? Or is it, have you, tra- are you going to continue training in Ireland and working with Phil? Or have you got, has that all to be finalised for you at this stage? Yeah, well, definitely, I'm going to be training out of Cumberland uh, for uh, the foreseeable future. Like, But uh, I'll be going off to England and so far. Now for aspiring and stuff, obviously, but uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be based out of Cumla. It'll all become clearer. Is there a first date in my in, in sight, or is there any sort of a debut in place yet, or is that still to be agreed? I'm getting me license yet. Like that, that takes time. But um, as soon as I get me license, I'll be given a date. But we're looking at um August, maybe September. 
when I hear August and I think Falls Park, Belfast, what a debut that'll be. Can you imagine? Uh, yeah, <laughs> but look, wherever it is, Willow, you're in that place, I suppose, when we're kids and we're all growing up, whether it's footballers, whether it's whatever it is, we all have dreams and, and, and a dream to be a professional at what you do and what you love. You're there now, mate. It's a cliche, but it really is. Getting there is only the start of it. Now it really starts for you. And, and uh, yes. you're, do you know what weight you're going to operate at yet? Yeah, boxing at 69 as now, there was a big jump. I was originally thinking 67. Like done like kind of a test run. I got down the weight. I got down to 66 and I felt strong at the weight. felt perfect. I was eating as normal, fully hydrated. So I decided then that I'd, just, I'd go for light welter. So 63.5 plenty of um, tasty names in and around that way too as well for you to aim at and for you to take fire yeah um, yeah. you did take fire a couple of months ago you offered an Irish welcome of sorts to a, to a certain Russian do you want to talk to us about that one before I let you go Khabib yeah um, yeah <laughs> yeah so Khabib put out a tweet after uh, Connor's loss and he said uh, he was basically blaming Connor's loss on he trains the sparring partners two little kids and stuff so I was the youngest person on the camp at that stage and I took that as being like kind of aimed at me like so put a tweet out there like calling them out saying that like now I'll spare I'll spar you anywhere in the world like I wasn't expecting a reply but you know it was, wor- it was, it was worth it was worth it like be more than a, a Magnolia style fella who's just going to blend in you're, you're not there to blend in you're there yeah. to make waves yeah like the media the media part of it now I think that's going to be the hardest to get used to like the Fighting them comes natural to me, but uh, it's just uh, obviously the more interviews and stuff we do, and the more important like I'm put out there, it'll just stack more natural as well. Fight Associated, Belfast-based brand. Click the shop link in today's show notes and check out their latest ranges, which include Lewis Crocker, Paul Highland Jr., Owen O'Neill, and wait till you hear what's coming next. Whether you're a fighter or a fan, it has to be quality, style, value. Highland gentlemen. And that's it. Watch out for that name. He's due to make his debut over the coming weeks or months. Don't be worrying. I'll give you the heads up and let you know in plenty of time. That's about it for me and them until then. I'm off to get my feet up, open a couple of cans and watch what is to be, a surely to be, an exciting European Cup final. Whatever colours it is you're wearing tonight, whatever side you're shouting for, enjoy it, have fun. And if it's not the result you want and if the game isn't as good as you want and no matter what way the game goes, just Whatever else happens, just remember, all's well that ends well.